Welcome to Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tarmody, where it's all about health optimization, anti-aging, longevity, and being the very best you can be. Brought to you by lisatarmody.com. Hey everyone, welcome to Pushing the Limits. Today I have a wonderful guest um, who is just a master in in science. He is uh, Dr. Ross Pelton uh, is is my guest and he is known as the natural pharmacist. Uh, Originally a pharmacist who's now gone on to do much, much more. He has written uh, 12 books. Um, and his latest book is all about rapamycin. So we start the conversation there, uh, talking about this longevity and life extension drug called rapamycin that I want to put on your radars and what you can do and how you can get it and when, when you should take it and all of the ins and outs of the research around rapamycin. Um, we're going to have a, a lot of show notes for this one. So I do encourage you, if you're listening to this, uh, to read the show notes. There'll be a ton of links down below in the show notes, both to Dr. Ross's books and papers and blogs, as well as some links to some places where you can get some of the supplements that we talk about in this uh, episode. We also dive into the microbiome quite deeply and also into uh, something called coenzyme Q10 and why you need the um, non crystallized version of that to be effective uh we we yeah it's just a fascinating conversation dr ross is really a master um who just he's in his 80s now and he's still putting out books and he's still uh, a very prolific author um publishing scientific papers doing research director of essential uh uh formulations in in the states he is uh just a minefield of information so i hope you enjoy this episode with dr ross pelton um, if you've got any questions, reach out to me afterwards. Um, and also please go and check out everything that we do. Um, some of the things that Dr. Ross is talking about in this episode, we're going to be trying to get into our anti-aging and longevity supplement range. So do check back into the shop and see how we're going there if we've got some of the things that we mentioned. Um, and check out all our programs, our epigenetics programs, DNA testing, corporate wellness programs. Um, we've just joining up with uh, Cam Calcohen, who you would have heard on the podcast a week or two ago, um, formulating a new course uh, for corporates on the corporate health uh, sort of space. So please reach out if you're in that and need something for your team. Um, doing a lot of things. So make sure you head on over to lisatarmody.com. Also check out our hyperbaric oxygen therapy clinic if you're in New Plymouth and Taranaki. Um, we'd love to help you with hyperbaric oxygen therapy as well as red light therapy. So reach out on any of those sorts of things. You can reach my team at support at lisatarmody.com or head over to lisatarmody.com as our website. Now over to the show with Dr. Ross Pelton. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have an exciting guest for you. I've always managed to pull out the best in the world. I have Dr. Ross Pelton with me from Oregon. Welcome to the show, Dr. Ross. Fantastic to have Lisa, you. I'm really excited to push the limits with you today. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, you definitely push the limits. Now, you are uh, a pharmacist, but you're also a natural pharmacist. I'm a recovering pharmacist. A recovering pharmacist. <laughs> I like that. And you've written 12 books, I believe. To date, you're uh, an expert in the fields of longevity and anti aging, and you've just released a book which 
which we're going to dive into today, along with many other topics and see how many we can get to. And we're definitely going to have Dr. Ross on again, I think. Um, But your latest book, can you just tell us about your latest book and what it's about? And um, and then we'll dive into what, you know, what we can learn from it. I'll hold a copy of it up here for the viewers to see. For the people on the podcast. Yep. So it's it's a mouthful. The title is Rapamycin, mTOR, Autophagy, and Treating mTOR Syndrome. So I recognize that's a mouthful. That's a, and, <laughs> and a lot of people are not familiar with the terms mTOR and autophagy. And one of the things I really emphasize is that if anybody wants to become good at anything, whether it's medic, medicine or being a lawyer, you have to develop a literacy for the language of that profession. Mm. It's the same thing with health. If people want to really be healthy, they have to study it. They have to work at it. Most of us did not have good role models and and good teachers to begin with early in life. And so you have to learn these things. And so mTOR and autophagy are new terms for most people. When you read my book, though, I go over it and over and explain it in many different ways over the course of the book. And you'll get to understand what these terms mean and the significance of them. And so there's three things here. First, there's rapamycin. It's the most effective life extension drug that's ever been discovered. But to my way of thinking, these terms mTOR and autophagy are even more important than the Mm. drug rapamycin Mm. because mTOR and autophagy have given us a total new understanding of cellular metabolism, the the entire aging process. And so health of every single cell in your body and ultimately the aging process. So we'll dive into all of this for our viewers today. Mm. Yep. So rapamycin, let's go into the history of rapamycin. So rapamycin, for people listening who've never heard of rapamycin, which is probably most of the people, um, mm-hmm. it's an, it's a, it's a drug that was discovered or a, a compound that was discovered on Rapa Nui, Easter Island back in the right. 60s. Can you tell us yep. a little bit of the background of that story and, sure. and why did these scientists go to Easter Island to find this? Yep. So a a team of uh, Canadian scientists in 1960s made a scientific expedition to Easter Island. And the purpose of that scientific expedition was to look for sources of new antibiotics and antifungal drugs. So they took a lot of soil samples and brought them back to their labs in Canada. And one of the compounds that were produced by a strain of soil bacteria was this compound that they named rapamycin, which is after the indigenous people's name for the island, which is Rapa Nui. And so rapamycin originally was being developed as a new antifungal drug. And then they discovered that it suppresses the immune system. So all of that research just came to a screeching halt. But in September of 1999, the FDA approved rapamycin for people that get kidney transplants because people that get organ transplants need to be on immune suppressing drugs for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And then some samples of rapamycin were sent to the National Cancer Institute, and they went crazy over it. They discovered that it is the first example of a totally new type of chemotherapy. Most chemotherapy is what we call cytotoxic. Mm -hmm. It kills rapidly dividing cells. And in addition to killing tumor cells, it kills a lot of cells in the body, your bone marrow and your intestinal lining of your intestinal system tract. The epithelial cells have very rapid rates of turnover. And so that's where all the side effects from these cytotoxic chemotherapy drugs from. Rapamycin is not cytotoxic. It doesn't treat cancer by killing. It's cytostatic. It just stops the cancer growth. 
So um, National Cancer Institute elevated rapamycin to priority status for rapid research. And in the early 2000s, it gained FDA approval for treating several different types of solid tumor cancers. These FDA approvals have actually been a large hindrance Mm. to rapamycin being accepted as electric extension Mm. drug. Because you usually don't give chemotherapy to people that are healthy and want to work on life extension. But what we found and scientists have found is that instead of taking rapamycin every single day, which will suppress the immune system, if you take it just episodically, like one dose once per week, Mm -hmm. you get some significant health benefits. So let me explain why that is. This is the mechanism of action, how rapamycin works. When rapamycin gets absorbed across the cellular membrane into a cell, it binds to an enzyme that's named mTOR, and that stands for the mechanistic target of rapamycin. They just named it that because that's where that's rapamycin where is going. Yep. But, but this, this protein is, it's a protein slash enzyme. Its primary function, it's a master signaling molecule that recognizes when nutrients are available to the cell. So when nutrients are available, mTOR sends out signals and says, use these nutrients to build and grow. Make new proteins, new enzymes, new cellular components. The other half, and by the way, David Sabatini is the uh, physician scientist that uh, is credited with discovering the mTOR and, and naming it. Wow. <coughs> Excuse me. So the other half of the equation is autophagy. And a little sip of coffee here. Mm-hmm. Got my throat. <coughs> so in uh, 2016, Yoshinori Osumi mm-hmm. won the Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine for his discovery of autophagy. <coughs> So autophagy is the other side of the equation. The, the, the mTOR and autophagy are the yin and yang of cellular metabolism. And so the other side, autophagy, gets activated when nutrients are not available to the cell. And when nutrients are not available, your body and individual cells are able to target old, damaged, misfolded proteins and enzymes and underfunctioning cellular components. Break them down and either detoxify them, get them out of the cell, or reutilize the, the innate ingredient, ingredients like amino acids to rebuild healthy new proteins and healthy new enzymes. So it turns out autophagy is a major detoxification function for every cell in your body. Mm. And it's also the major process of rebuilding your body. And this is one thing a lot of people don't understand. You have to constantly be rebuilding your body. And if autophagy is not activated, you're going to suffer long-term health consequences. And and most of humanity is suffering now. We have what I call an epidemic of epidemics. We've got heart disease and cancer and diabetes and Alzheimer's and autism. I mean, off the charts. And 50, 60, 70 years ago, um, when I was a kid, none of these things were an epidemic. So. I think the health of humanity is in a significant decline. And I think this mTOR autophagy function, these two two cellular functions that are terribly out of balance now, I think it's a fundamental problem that is contributing to many of the health problems. This is, so this is, let me explain yeah. why this has gotten out of balance. 
For, remember, mTOR senses when nutrients are available. For millions of years of human evolution, people do not get up in the morning and go to the kitchen and open the refrigerator and start to make breakfast. People didn't eat three meals a day for almost 99.9% of human evolution. And these days, people eat all the time relative to our ancestors. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, in-between meal snacks, dessert, evening cocktails. And that has taken the mTOR autophagy ratio and thrown it way out of balance because when nutrients are available, mTOR is always getting activated and people are eating and activating mTOR all the time and autophagy is not getting its due. And one of the ways I express this is that if you're driving a car, you can't drive that car constantly with your foot to the metal, pedal to the metal, racing. You have to slow down. You have to take breaks. You have to have rest periods. And the other way I talk about autophagy is that if you have, a, for example, a flat tire on your car, you can't put the new tire on until you take off the old tire. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Autophagy is so important because you've got to get those old damaged proteins and enzymes and and cellular components out so that when mTOR gets reactivated, you'll build healthy new proteins and healthy new enzymes. And so this is one thing I really emphasize to, to elite athletes and to people who are doing strength training on a regular basis. You've got to do um, something to activate autophagy so you can continually rebuild your body. And you'll, you'll be a better so athlete, not- more strength and more stamina and more endurance if you activate autophagy appropriately. And that's what rapamycin does. Rapamycin goes into the cell and binds to mTOR, so it partially inhibits it, so you can activate autophagy. So that's really what this is all about. It's, it's learning how to activate autophagy and rebalance this mTOR autophagy ratio. And um, I got so passionate about this. In the second edition of my book, I proposed the mTOR autophagy theory of aging. I think this is mm-hmm. critical for people to understand. And, and people often ask me, well, isn't there a natural way to do this? Yes, there is. Intermittent fasting. When you fast, you go for longer periods of time without nutrients coming in, and you condense your daily nutrient intake into a smaller period of time. And so, yes, that's the natural way to do it. But most people aren't going to discipline themselves to do intermittent fasting. I advocate doing everything to promote your health. So do some intermittent fasting and take rapamycin. And there's some other um, anti-aging life extension drugs that are good. And there's many other different types of, of activities and therapies that have life extended activity, different antioxidants and so forth. And we can Which talk we about can get into. Around, but that's, we want yeah. to spend our time initially on rapamycin here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this 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 concept is is just is is mind blowing actually. And I didn't. I mean, I've known about mTOR and autophagy for a long time because obviously I've been in this space for a long time. But when you said this is the breakthrough, this is the information, this is the thing that we need to be paying attention to because you know, like it's it's counterintuitive in a way. You'd think we want mTOR all the time, which is the building the you know the building of the muscle, the making of the new components. But without the clearing out of the gut 
garbage, which is the autophagy piece of the puzzle. My analogy is you you bring in the groceries into the kitchen, you cook your dinner, and then you don't clear the garbage. You just bring the new groceries, cook the dinner, and, and so on. And pretty soon your kitchen is full of garbage and you can't operate in there. And that's exactly what's going on with this mTOR autophagy piece. And, and autophagy is... Can you explain to me one thing that I've struggled with is you have autophagy and then you have senescent cells and then you have apoptosis. Uh, can you explain the difference between autophagy and apoptosis to me? Sure. Because I'm struggling yeah. with that concept. Yeah. Senescence is when there's a, a natural process when cells reach a, a, the end of their lifespan, the, the body can re- get, get rid of them, recycle them. Well, senescence is when old cells don't go away. That that recycling of the old cells stops and they keep on producing inflammatory markers. And so it's a major source of chronic inflammation, these senescent cells that have not been recycled. And there is a similarity because autophagy is recycling old damaged cells, uh, not cells, but the, um, and that's one difference. Senescence is cells. Autophagy is cellular components. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Right? And yeah. And then, and, and when it's apoptosis, that's when the senescent cell has imploded on itself, which we also need it to do. Apoptosis the, is the body's process of getting rid of these old cells. And, and when apoptosis isn't working, the senescent cells stay there. The old cells become senescent. And instead of going away, they keep doing some level of biological activity, which is really putting out inflammatory markers Mm-mm. and rapamycin decreases senescence. So it Uh, helps in that manner. It's one of the ways rapamycin is functional. Wow. So it's doing autophagy and it's killing off senescent cells. And so we have this family of... killing them off, but it's it's decreasing senescence because you're turning over things in the cells and keeping your cells healthy. Okay. So they're not reaching senescent state. Ah, gotcha. And, and because we have these senolytics as well in the anti-aging space that are, you know, the things like fisetin and quercetin and, you know, there's many, many ones. So that's working on a slightly different pathway than the rapamycin is. Right. Uh-huh. And one thing I want to really emphasize here for people, David Sabatini discovered mTOR and named it in 1996. Wow. Yoshinori Osumi won the Nobel Prize for discovering autophagy in 2016. These are relatively newly understood scientific concepts. And it's a foundational thing that regulates every single cell in our body and and metabolism and health in the entire aging process. So in terms of scientific terms uh, and our our history of biochemistry and and the knowledge of how the body works, this is really new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's mine. This is a game changer. This is a game changer when you get this concept. Yes. And I really emphasize to people, rapamycin is not a miracle cure. If you've got bone-on-bone arthritis, rapamycin is not going to cure it. If you have an aneurysm in an artery and that artery is ready to blow and give you a a heart attack or a hemorrhage to the brain, rapamycin is not going to correct that. Rapamycin is a slow day by day improvement of your health. When you start taking rapamycin and activate autophagy, every single cell is going to start to work better in your body over time. And in animal experiments, 
virtually every single type of age-related disease response, metabolic diseases, cardiovascular disease, um, things like Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease and the animal models, these things all improve. You're slowing down the process of biological aging. In some cases, like cardiovascular disease, the animal experiments show they're reversing it. Wow. Wow. You don't reverse things very often. And so this is cellular rejuvenation. Like this is really the renewing and remodeling of the body. Your body, you're putting, building new proteins and new enzymes and new cellular components. And so, yes, it is actually the process of on a regular day to day basis, rebuilding your body. Now, when people go to the doctor, say healthy people who are interested in life extension and, you know, health span and the things that you and I are very much interested in, um, they are likely to run into a blank wall when the, when you ask the doctor, <laughs> can I get rapamycin, please? <laughs> yeah. They're going to look at you and either they don't know what rapamycin is or they'll know it as a cancer drug or an immune suppressant drug. Yeah. And they'll love to look you as if you've got two heads. Um, <laughs> how is this going to change? How are we going to, um, get access to these amazing things? Just interrupting the show to let you know about our patron community here and the podcast at Pushing the Limits. We've been going for eight years and we really need your support to keep the show on air and free to everybody so that everyone gets this fantastic information uh, from all these great doctors, scientists, athletes, business people from all around the world. So we would love you to come and join us. You get a lot of exclusive member benefits when you do, but really it's about supporting the show and keeping it on air. And for a coffee or two a month, that would be fantastic if you can come and join us. You can go to patron.lisatamati.com. That's patron.lisatamati.com and check it all out. My book lays it all out. I'm a scientific guy and I've got all the scientific references. And the other thing I say in my bio is that I'm bilingual. My two languages are English and science. Yeah. I can talk about the science so normal people can understand it. Yeah. And so my book is really designed to accelerate people's learning curve about rapamycin. Many people buy a copy of my book and give it to their doctor, or they loan their copy of my book to their doctor and say, please read this, and this is safe, and this is healthy, and I want to take it. And the next thing is if you can't find a doctor who's willing to write a prescription for you, there are some physicians that are so supportive of rapamycin and understand its benefit, they will do telemedicine visits for people. You can do wow. phone call, be on yep. a phone call with a doctor for 20 minutes or so, and they'll charge you for that. And But then they'll mail you a prescription for rapamycin that you can get filled. So that's... That's exciting. You know, options. Yeah. Um, I get my rapamycin prescription filled at my drugstore for a $20 copay on my monthly insurance and my medical insurance. So people that have medical insurance, it's an FDA-approved drug. So many people can get it on their insurance. You're lucky in the States. Another thing that I want to mention here, <laughs> glad you brought this up. This is a very new breakthrough. Yes, Rapid I've got that. Yeah. Do you? Good. Yeah. So I had Phil Mikens on the show last week. Uh, wonderful. Yeah. He talked about peptides. That's right. I saw yes. that. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and so this is a way, yeah, explain to people. Um, sure. And I'm, I'm, I've got links to, uh, Phil's, um, links, you know, in, in my show notes. So I'll put those in these show notes as well. I'm, I'm actually going to do a little, um, video or a little, um, 
educational slide PowerPoint slide presentation on this. And, and so it's, I can explain it better to people and send it out to people. But right. this is a generic form of rapamycin that a company named International Anti-Aging Systems has developed. And they have a very high quality, well-respected drug company in India make this. And that company is using a new nanotechnology. So the particle size is very, very small, which makes it much better absorbed. And rapamycin traditionally is a very difficult molecule to absorb. It's a fat-soluble molecule. We don't absorb fat-soluble molecules very efficiently. If you take rapamycin with a meal where you have fat in the meal, you're likely to get better absorption. Um, but anyway, back to Ra uh, Rapapro here. So you can order Rapapro from International Anti-Aging Systems and get it sent to you in the mail, and it is legal. Now, a lot of people question, how can that be legal? You're getting a prescription drug without having a prescription. On International Anti-Aging Systems website, they say you should have a doctor and should have a prescription for it. But they don't check that. So you can go on the website and order Rapapro and get it sent to you. A um, couple of the things I want to say about this. Because of some international banking regulations, they do not accept payment and credit cards. Yeah. So there's two options. You can pay with a bank draft or what's called an e-check. When I went to pay with a wire transfer, I found out that my bank wanted to charge me $45. Yeah. <laughs> Or <laughs> it's a ripoff. I totally. So I have been ordering Rapapro using the e-check option at the checkout. You put in your bank routing number and your account number, and there's no extra charge for that, and it comes through just fine. You can also now, use Bitcoin, by the way. Uh, that's you may right. not I'm know. Not yeah, a Bitcoin dealer, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah for um, for younger folks. About, um, Rapapro here is that. International Anti-Aging Systems does not sell this to, gen to the general public. It's a membership organization. How do they do that? One cent of your first order, your initial order, is your membership fee. So that's how they make this membership organization, and that makes it legal for them. And in 1988, I think, the FDA in the United States made a new ruling during the HIV AIDS crisis that made it legal for people to import up to three months of their personal medications. And so now people can import up to three months of Rapapro for themselves, and it's, it's all legal. And so it gives you the opportunity of getting uh, rapamycin without a doctor's prescription, a very high-quality product, well-absorbed. I've been doing blood tests on myself to test my blood levels and find out it's really well-absorbed. Excellent. So, uh, and I'll yeah. give you um, something to post in the show notes at the end of the show. If people use a code, a coupon code at the checkout called it's Ross, R-O-S-S dash 10, they get a 10% discount on their initial order of Rapper Pro. Yeah, no, that's, that's brilliant. And yeah, I've had Phil on and we've, yeah, we've, we're all over international anti-aging systems because they're doing a wonderful job trying to get us access to things that are going to keep us healthy. Yeah. And it's been a frustration yeah. of mine for years, you know, trying to get stuff for my mum and not being able to get things in the country. So I'm very grateful to him and his team for doing what they do. And also the bioregulators and, uh, you know, um, yeah. other things that they, they have, which are all cutting edge and, and well researched, uh, and, and fantastic for us to have access to. So thank you for that. Um, sure. so back to the story of rapamycin, um, and, 
so we we're now managing to get this now there's decades of of animal studies can you explain how much is there in human research and how do we know what dosages to take and when should we start rapamycin although there's a lot of animal research showing the benefits of rapamycin human studies are are not nearly as uh, as advanced we just haven't had the time and it's hard and expensive to do these studies and i'd like to talk about the first study that kind of broke open this whole area of rapamycin for humans. Um, a lady scientist by the name of Joan Manick, who was working, I believe, for Novartis, one of the big multinational drug companies, she had the enviable job. Uh, they hired her and told her she could work on anything she wanted. And she was interested in aging, and she decided to work on rapamycin. So Joan Manick selected a group of elderly people, relatively elderly, they were 65 years old or older. She divided them into four groups. One was the placebo group. And then the other three groups took a different dose of rapamycin or a rapalog, a rapamycin-like drug. There was one group taking, I believe, um, half a milligram daily. Another group was taking five milligrams once a week. And I think their third group was taking 20 milligrams once a week. So they took the drug or the placebo for a prescribed period of time. I think it might have been 12 weeks, something like that. Mm-hmm. Then she stopped the drug and subjected all of them to the seasonal flu vaccine and measured how their immune system reacted to that challenge of the flu vaccine. It turned out that the people taking five milligrams once a week, that was the sweet spot. Those people, 65 years old and older, got a 20% boost in the effectiveness of their immune system. That's a huge health benefit. That's huge. Are yeah. 65 years old and older. And so this, this is the study that identified that taking rapamycin episodically just once a week instead of daily, you just get a periodic suppression of mTOR so that you can activate autophagy. And so, and and that I'll, seems that, to be the a great deal we don't know yet. We don't know if it should be a dose once a week or once every 10 days or once every two weeks. We don't know if five or six milligrams is the best dose or 10 milligrams. Um, and I think eventually we'll be able to fine tune things. So we'll be individualizing dosage and the frequency of dosages. Mm. I was taking rapamycin for two years. And then I started doing my blood tests and I found out my plasma levels were not nearly as high as I anticipated and I wanted them. So I increased my dose from six milligrams a week to 10 milligrams a week. And now my blood levels are up in the range where I want them to be. And, and, and because of my personal experience with testing, I think everybody that's going to be doing rapamycin should be testing. If you don't test, you don't know. How do we you get that test? And what is the test? Because again, once again, I don't think down here we can right. down in New Zealand. So Life Extension Foundation, um, which is international, um, you can call Life Extension Foundation and order the serolimus blood test. That the generic name mm-hmm. for drug rapamycin is serolimus, S-I-R-O-L-I-M-U-S. And that drug test through the Life Extension Foundation costs $95. They mm-hmm. have physicians on staff, so it's legal for them to um, write the order for you to get serolimus blood test. Then you have to take that order to LabCorp, which is the company that does the blood draw. 
So I did that for a couple of times. And then I went online and I found out you can get the same blood test from LabCorp for $59 instead of $95 from Life Extension. But you have to have a doctor's order to get the $59 blood test. So I went to my physician, who I have educated about rapamycin, and she was very happy. She wrote me a prescription. She said, Sir Linus blood test, standing order for one year. So I can go in and get this blood test anytime I want for a year. And and so I encourage people to talk to your doctor, ask them to write you a prescription for the serolinus blood test so that you can get the $59 charge rather than paying $95 to life extension. Although that would be just for people in America. That won't be valid for anyone listening in New Zealand and Australia. um, You know, other companies. Countries like, I'm sure, New Zealand and Australia have different laws, but um, I think that you have places that will do a blood draw. And so I would call the, the major blood draw facilities and ask them if they have the serolimus test. And I can give you the information from Life Extension. So you're going to cross-reference mm-hmm. and tell them how to ask for this. And see what Okay. So Mike and might be a good... Uh, person to ask about this also at international anti-aging systems yeah because yeah it would be good to know is is what you're taking enough and as you you've just found you actually needed a higher dose and this is the nuance of that conversation that we don't have all of that information now what about people who say well are we not suppressing the immune system that's what it was originally used for and isn't that how is it boosting the immune system when it's you know um well i don't like the word boosting because boosting (laughs) you don't want to boost your immune system you want to modulate it <laughs> right, right. It's, and in fact that's your that's a very good point because some of the scientists writing about rapamycin have said that uh, boosting the immune system it's it's Isn't not going to be a suppressive drug it's an immune system modulator that's a key and, point yes that's key and, and when you activate mTOR all the time you'll suppress the immune system so you give mTOR a break and allow autophagy to function, and you get a normalization of that function and, and modulate the effects. So just going back to the mTOR autophagy piece, so people who are eating all the time, you know, the, the typical three to six meals a day that we're all told to eat, uh, and they're going to the gym and they're, they're, they're working out and they think they're living healthy, um, they're activating mTOR, 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 they're building muscle, and they're not doing that autophagy piece. So how would a, a, a young athlete listening to this or someone in their 40s who's trying to also, you know, deal with aging and stopping aging, what would be the best combination like, do you take rapamycin on the days where you're not training, or can you take it? You know, does it matter? I take rapamycin once a week. Yep. And I train almost every day. I mean, yep. I, I lift weights five times a week, and I do aerobics. And I start doing a spin class, which is taking me to the wall. <laughs> aerobic fitness back, and but I don't really notice any difficulty exercising. After I've taken a dose of rapamycin and my first two or three or four days, the plasma levels are higher and mTOR is more inhibited, but I have not found that to be detrimental to my exercise at all. Um, We touched on another thing I want to mention here. Um, Who should be taking rapamycin? Yes. Who? What age? Because mTOR stimulates growth. You would never give mTOR to a child because that's a period of rapid growth. Rapamycin, yeah. woman should never take rapamycin because the developing fetus is a very rapid, maybe the most rapid time of of growth. And so you don't want to inhibit mTOR at all. And we don't know 
exactly what's the best age to take this, but um, I think around age, somewhere between 30 and 50 is a good time to start. And I think that it's going to vary with different types of people. If you've got a a 30-year-old person with metabolic syndrome and maybe type 2 diabetes, they might be better off starting at age 30, whereas a physically fit person maybe should not start until 45 or 50. Um, and so, but I also emphasize here, we don't know the answers to these things. We just know from the animal models and some of the human studies that have been done, there's tremendous health benefit over time to rebalancing the mTOR autophagy ratio and giving autophagy its adequate time to function. Yeah. And then that brings in the, the fasting as well. If you're able to do some periodic or intermittent fasting, bringing that into the piece is going to accelerate that autophagy. Um, and then there are some other molecules. I'm, I'm designing a um, formulation at the moment with spermidine in it, which I'm quite excited about. Yeah, so have you come across spermidine? Uh, I know about it. I'm not, I don't take it. I, I do take metformin. Yep, and, I'm on metformin. And some of the and so yep. there's a number of different things. I, I just get out of one other thing I wanted to say about Rapapro. The people at International Anti-Aging Systems have done a very good job at bringing this product to people at a very reasonable price. Yeah, it is. Rapapro I get it. It's a pretty expensive drug. Mm. And I'll tell you a story. When I took my first prescription to my local drugstore here, the pharmacist looked it up and said, it's available, but I'm not going to order it for you. It costs between three and four thousand dollars for a bottle wow. of tablets, and I'm just going to have a few tablets filled, like twelve tablets, and he's going to have all that money tied up in his inventory. Wow. So I took it to the local chain drugstore, and they didn't have such tight inventory controls, and they were able and willing to order it for me, and I started getting it filled. But international anti-aging systems, the price for Rapid Pro is about. $35 a month, U.S. dollars. Yeah, it's but crazy cheap. Incredibly reasonable price, which is for generally a very expensive drug. And they hope to even bring the price down more in the future. But for somebody that's taking six milligrams once a week, which is probably the most common dose where people start at, mm -hmm. one box here of the Rapapro tablet is about a two-month supply. It's uh, $69.95, about $70 which is $35 a month. That's an incredible, reasonable price. Yeah, yeah, they've done really extremely well and Phil's just amazing what what, what they do there. Um, let's go and talk a little bit now about some of that because you, you're an expert on so many areas. Um, I wanted to dive into um, some of the other things that you talk about. Now, one of them I heard on one of your podcasts, you were talking about um, lactobacillus fermentium. If I got that right, yeah. ME3. Uh, a particular strain of probiotic yeah. that can help us with glutathione and that whole opening up that box for you. Before we shift to that, I thought I forgot about one thing. I want to tell all our listeners how to order oh, yeah. my book. Oh, yes, I'm sorry about that. So yeah, to get Ross's book, if you yeah. can't see this because you're not on the video, you're on the podcast, you can call the Life Extension Foundation. That's 866-598-6747, and we'll put that down in the show notes as well. And you'll also get, besides Ross's book, you'll get a six-month subscription to the Life Extension magazine, which is fabulous as well. So um, do ring that number and get that book via that way if you want the, the magazine. Call 24 hours a day. So anywhere in the world, they can call and order the book. That's amazing. That's amazing. So thank you for that. Um 
And, and now, yeah, back to the uh, probiotic story. Bacillus fermentum ME3, yeah. This That's is a the one. Topic. Yeah, it is certainly a fascinating topic. I was mind-blowing when I heard your research on this. Lactobacillus fermentum ME3 is a strain of bacteria that was isolated from the intestinal tract of a healthy one-year-old child in 1995. And they started testing it. At the time, they were testing a lot of different strains of probiotic bacteria for their antioxidant activity. Most of them didn't have much at all. And they tested Lactobacillus fermentum ME3. Its antioxidant activity was off the charts. They thought they'd made mistakes. They tested it over and over again. And it regularly can show that it had incredibly high antioxidant activity. So several years of scientific research to discover the mechanism of action, they find out that this unique strain of probiotic bacteria synthesizes glutathione. And glutathione is called the master antioxidant. It's the most prevalent antioxidant in our bodies. It's made in every single cell. Tissue levels of glutathione are highest in your lung tissue and in the liver. And in addition to being an antioxidant, glutathione regulates a great deal of your detoxification. It's critical for your immune system. It has powerful antiviral effects. So turns out that glutathione is one of the most important multitasking compounds in our bodies. And it is so important that I am currently writing a paper titled the uh, excuse me um, the glutathione theory of aging so uh, it's it's just really incredibly important and i think that anybody who is interested in healthy longevity one of the most important proactive things you can do is increase your glutathione levels there are many things that deplete glutathione so virtually everybody has suboptimal levels Every time glutathione functions as an antioxidant, every time it neutralizes a free radical, you're losing a molecule of glutathione. Every time glutathione detoxifies a toxin, like a molecule of mercury or the toxins in, in smoke from these wildfires we've got going on, or the glutathione binds with the toxin and gets eliminate, eliminated. So it's eliminating the toxin, but you're also eliminating glutathione. So glutathione levels are always being depleted Imagine, when it yeah. functions as an antioxidant and when it's detoxifying things. And so I just think it's one of the most, as I said, proactive things people can do to boost their glutathione levels. So what are the different ways you can boost glutathione? You can take glutathione precursors like N-acetylcysteine and lipoic acid and several other things can boost glutathione levels. And you can go to a doctor's office. A lot of anti-aging doctors will do intravenous glutathione. Tremendous health benefits from intravenous glutathione for a lot of people, but it oxidizes very quickly, gets used up. So benefits only last for a couple of days. And people that are doing IV glutathione need to go to the doctor's office about twice a week for mm. intravenous glutathione infusions, which is time consuming. You have to drive to a doctor's office. You have to sit in a chair with an IV drip in your arm. It's expensive. You have to pay it three, $400 per infusion. And the third way is taking products that contain lactobacillus fermentum ME3, which is the bacteria that synthesizes glutathione. And this was discovered, as I mentioned, in 1995 by a microbiologist, Marika Milkasar, who's now Professor Emeritus of the Department of Biology at the University of Tartu in Estonia. Mm -hmm. Estonia is a little 
country in Eastern Europe borders on Russia, but they are one of the leading, um, their microbiology department, one of the leading institutions in the world studying the microbiome. And they started studying the microbiome in the late 50s and in 60s when they started studying the men that were chosen to be cosmonauts for the Russian space program. Wow. They were concerned that extended time in space would maybe up the gut microbiome and cause health problems. So they started studying the gut microbiome and probiotics many decades ago, more than half a century ago. Interesting. And then when um, Russian astronauts were put into space, they continued to do studies on this. So they've had this long background in studying the microbiome. And then in 1995, there was a joint study between Sweden and the University of Tartu studying children that have skin diseases like eczema and so forth, because the children in Sweden have a very high incidence of these skin conditions. In Estonia, they have virtually none. So they Uh started studying these children looking at the differences in their microbiome, trying to learn what they could about the microbiome of kids that have these skin diseases. Well, Lactobacillus fermentum, ME3, was one of the strains of bacteria that got extracted for that Swedish-Estonian study. And later on, when they were studying antioxidant activity of Lactobacillus bacteria, they decided to test this Lactobacillus fermentum, ME3, also. So Fortunately, it had already been extracted and, and been saved in the laboratory. So when they tested it for its antioxidant activity, again, I mentioned earlier, just off the charts. So that's kind of the history of how wow. this got discovered and developed. And the University of Tartu still owns the patent. And there's a company in uh, France that has um, the uh, secured the rights to market it worldwide. My company, Essential Formas in the United States, has the sole rights to import and distribute these products in our country and also Mexico and Canada, but they're marketed under the brand name RegActive. It stands for R, spelled R-E-G apostrophe A-C-T-I-V. That's an acronym for active regeneration, RegActive. And there are now four different RegActive formulations. There's detox and liver health, immune and vitality, and cardio wellness. And each of those three products has some other supplemental ingredients along with the lactobacillus fermentum ME3 that will support either your liver detoxification pathway, your immune system, or your cardiovascular system. After we had these products in our market in the United States for a couple of years, a lot of naturopaths and functional medicine physicians came to us and said, we want a product that just has the ME3 in it. Mm. Because the dose for the other two, four, uh, three formulations is two capsules a day. Yep. So we then got them to produce a, a product that we now call Essential ME3, which just contains 8 billion of the active lactobacillus fermentum ME3 bacteria. And that dose is one capsule daily. That's great. And I've reached out to, so it's Dr. O'Hara's team, isn't it? So that I reached out to them to see whether we can get that here. So keep an eye on my shop, everyone. Um, we'll hopefully get Actually, it in. This is not with Dr. O'Hara's. This is oh, this is not Dr. O'Hara's. This is, this is the University of Tartu in Estonia, but I'll get you connected with the people on this product also so that you can uh, look into. So both of them. Yeah. To both. have them. Yeah, yeah so it's a, it's a breakthrough product also to be able to to boost your glutathione levels on a regular basis and thing, and here's some examples of why glutathione gets depleted. Alcohol 
is metabolized by glutathione in the liver. So anybody that's drinking regularly is wow. depleting glutathione levels. Mm. Smoke is one of the big, cigarette smoking is a huge depleter of glutathione. And many people that smoke also drink, so that's a double whammy. <laughs> and, and so, and, but there's a lot of environmental toxins that deplete glutathione, stress levels deplete glutathione. So boosting glutathione levels is really a, a key anti-aging life extension therapy. And, and when, you know, I study genetics and um, I know my own genes and I have, there's a family of genes called the GST, the glutathione uh, mm-hmm. yeah. GST family of genes. Um, and I've got disastrous genes when it comes to oh. the GST. So GST T1, M1 and P1, um, I've only got one. S- what you're yeah. referring to is called the glutathione S-transferase enzyme. That's one. Yep. Super family of enzymes yep. that are major detoxification detoxification enzymes for the body. And if people like you have polymorphisms, yeah. then the detox doesn't work quite well as well. And you want to boost your glutathione levels. Exactly. Now. So I'm very excited yeah. about listening, hearing this yeah. because I'm, you know, been wondering how the and as an athlete, of course, I've smashed the heck out of my body, which is also added to that problem. You're right, because you're you're over oxidizing, you're doing too yeah. much oxidative damage and, and so on and so forth. So trying to undo some of that damage now in my mid fifties, I'm hoping it's not too late. <laughs> so never very keen. Late. It's never too late. Uh, fact, um, to to kind of motivate people that it's never too late. Um I read a book back in uh, the early nineteen nineties called Biomarkers. And that book, you know, two authors, William Evans and I forget the second author's name, but um, that book categorized 10 of the most reliable biological markers of aging. Every single one of them is tied into your muscle mass. Uh-huh. So since I realized that, I went out and got a universal gym in my garage. I've been doing weight training ever since. <laughs> yeah. But I followed the work of William Evans over the years. And he's published multiple studies where he goes into a nursing home and tapes frail, elderly, 90-year-old and, and older people. From, I think one study was from eight people from 94 to 105. Wow. It puts them on a 12-week strength training program. The gains they make are like science fiction. Wow. So any time at any age, if you start working on the body and working on your health, your body will respond. Yeah. I, I have mum at the gym three to three to four times a week. And the weight training is the most important thing. And we have to do cardiovascular, yeah. but it's the weight training. And there's a gentleman at my gym and he's 87 years old. And I've been watching him over the last couple of, you know, a few months. And he's just always on the elliptical and going for it. And I, I, I just talked to him um, a few times over the last few weeks about maybe adding in some strength training to his regime. And he's, he was like, wow, no one's ever told me that. And I said, well, you, you know, you, he was quite sarcopenic as well. And sarcopenia yeah. is, you know, I said, look, muscle equals longevity. Cardiovascular is all well and good for the heart and the cardiovascular system, but actually you're breaking down more muscle and you can't afford to do that. You should be doing much more on the strength training side. So I'm a huge proponent and coming from the ultra marathon background. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I have to talk some of my colleagues around as to putting in the strength training yeah, is the key. Seen the light. <laughs> I've seen the now, light. <laughs> that's a great topic that you brought up, uh, Lisa, because I, I totally agree with you. I wrote a chapter on sarcopenia for the second edition of my book. And on my website, I've got a study that I summarized on my blog. Um, a group of scientists in Italy a number of years ago looked at a significantly large group of people that were, from, I think, from 95 to 104. 
Wow. And they wanted to research and find out what's the most important thing for healthy aging. They looked at hundreds of different parameters. The number one thing for healthy aging, maintain your muscle mass. I mean. So I talk to <laughs> cyclists and I talk to swimmers and I talk to joggers and runners and say, yes, aerobics is good, but you've got to do some form of resistance training or you're gradually going to lose it. And that's sarcopenia, one of the hallmarks of biological aging. Yep, absolutely. And 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 actually, when I was talking to Phil Mikens last week, he was talking about endurance athletes having much more arterial stiffness. And that makes sense to me as someone, you know, with these bad glutathione genes, and I've got a also very poor 9P21 gene, which is about the quality of the linings of the blood vessels and the linings of your gut and all of that is the, the worst quality, if you like. And if, if I was a Teflon pan, I'd be the $2 version, not the $100 version, right? <laughs> so when I'm doing extreme amount of exercise i'm inflaming that lining so this once again for for endurance athletes listening um you have to rest you have to recover you have to put in anti-inflammatories you have to be doing all of these the glutathione um the lactobacillus fermentum natural anti-inflammatories like omega natural yeah absolutely oils critical Yep. Thank you for that clarification. Not the other type of anti-inflammatories. Yeah, non-royal <laughs> anti-inflammatories. <laughs> so things like you know, uh, curcumin would would come to mind yep. for sure. Fish oil is one of those essentials. Actually, on that note, what is your personal daily routine or your your supplement routine and nutrition and exercise regime? Because you're in your eighties uh, now, and yeah, you're doing I'm pretty bloody well. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And you're still writing books and fully. Um, uh, intellectual powerhouse. Uh, and that's a role model for people like me because most people that get, they get to their eighties and they're, you know, they're not working anymore and they're not able to do a lot of these things. And you are. What's your secret? <laughs> well, um, I got interested in health, um, a lot of years ago. In fact, um, in my early adult life when I was a pharmacist, I, I didn't know anything about health. And um, as a young adult, I ate fast foods and packaged foods and, you know, and, but in 1979, um, I just, on kind of a fluke, I heard some strange music come on out of a little neighborhood church in the little town I was living with in Southern California. I was actually walking home from a grocery store with a loaf of white bread and a half a gallon of milk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I walked across the street and down the sidewalk and I stuck my head in the door and I saw a yoga class in session. And I saw 20 people that radiated a level of health that just kind of knocked my socks off. So I got involved with yoga. And in in addition to exercising regularly and eating healthfully, these people read health books and health newsletters and health magazines. And with <laughs> my background in medicine and science and so on, I just started to absorb that information like a sponge and I'm still doing it. It yeah. just goes deeper and deeper and gets more and more exciting. And so that's that changed my life. Yoga wow. changed my life. Um, wow. I, and I will admit, I don't do yoga anymore because I have stiff joints and knee replacements and so forth. And But my overall program, I go to the gym almost every morning. Um, I do intermittent fasting. I my wife and I, are our final meal is usually on six or seven in the evening, and then I don't eat again until like noon or one or two o'clock in the afternoon. Most days, I'm not fanatical about it. If we no. have a social event, I'm relaxed and have a good time. 
Um, I, for a number of years back in the 1980s and 90s, I was a vegetarian for about six years. I'm not a vegetarian anymore. I'm just absolutely fanatical about eating healthy food all the time. Um, and that can get me into a discussion of the microbiome if we talk about diet, because um, that's another one of my professions, the gut microbiome. You, you've written um, books on this, so yeah, please um, share. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll um, give you a link for people to get a free copy of a book that I've written titled um, Dr. Hero's probiotics and postbiotic metabolites. I'm oh, that's where the Dr. Hero came in. Yeah. So, yeah, just going back to that other story, can you help me up with Red Jack Active as well as Dr. Hero's? <laughs> yeah. So I can get those down here. And, then, and just, um, I'll just mention it now. They can get this booklet by going to my website, uh, which is naturalpharmacist.net forward slash O'Hara book. That's O H I R A B O O K. Um, but I'm one of the world's leaders in trying to educate the world about how the gut microbiome really works. And most people have it all wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, and there, people spend millions and millions of dollars on probiotic bacteria and really get very little benefit from them. So here's, here's the, what I, in fact, I wrote a scientific article titled, Postbiotic Metabolites, the New Frontier in Microbiome Science. I'll send you the link to that so that all of our listeners can, mm. and can get a copy of this. But in this paper, scientific paper, I'm describing to people and explaining the job of probiotic bacteria. Their job is to digest and ferment components in your food and produce secondary compounds that we call postbiotic metabolites. And it's these compounds, the postbiotic metabolites, that have a wide range of biological activity. So it's not the probiotic bacteria, it's the compounds they produce mm. that have wide-ranging biological activity. And I regularly tell people, every time you eat, you're hosting a very big party. You're feeding 100 trillion guests, your probiotic <laughs> wow. bacteria. Think you about that. You have to learn how to feed them well, or they won't thrive and survive. So what is the primary food for your probiotic bacteria? There's two primary food groups that they require, dietary fibers and polyphenols. And for people that aren't familiar with polyphenols, they're the compounds that give color to fruits and vegetables. There's over 8,000 polyphenols that have been structurally identified. So we humans do not have the enzymes to digest dietary fibers. And most polyphenols are a huge, huge molecules that we don't digest them and metabolize them well either. So these compounds travel all the way through your digestive tract, but when they reach the colon, they're the food for your probiotic bacteria. And your bacteria start metabolizing, fermenting them, breaking them down, producing smaller compounds, the postbiotic metabolites that have a wide range of biological activity. They have anti-inflammatory activity, they have cell signaling activity, the gut brain communication. One of the most important functions is that they adjust the acid base balance in your microbiome ecosystem. Mm -hmm. A healthy microbiome ecosystem needs to be slightly acidic. The way you do that is a number of the postbiotic metabolites are slightly acidic compounds. There's um, short-chain fatty acids, which is propionic acid and acetic acid and butyric acid. And then there's fulvic acids and organic acids and nucleic acids. All of these slightly acidic compounds 
create the slightly acidic acid-base balance that's optimal to promote the growth of your good bacteria and it suppresses the growth of your pathogens. When you have dysbiosis, which is an imbalance between the levels of good and bad bacteria, and you end up with too many bad bacteria, the acid-base balance becomes anywhere from 10 to 100 times too alkaline. Wow. And that's the acid-base balance that promotes the growth of your pathogen. So you've got to get it back down to that, that slightly acidic level, and it's the postbiotic metabolites that do that. Now, in most ecosystems in the world, greater diversity is a stronger ecosystem, whether it's the Amazon rainforest or the coral reefs in the ocean or wherever. Greater diversity equals greater strength in the immune system of the ecosystem, greater resilience, and the same thing with your gut microbiome. So you want to strive to get greater diversity, which means a wide range of different types of bacteria. How do you do that? Not by taking probiotic bacteria, not by taking commercial probiotics. Not the normal one in your bacteria local drugstore. Don't, don't colonize. They don't stay in your system. The only way you can get a diverse microbiome is by consuming a diverse range of plant-based foods that contain a diverse range of dietary fibers and polyphenols. Why mm. is Dr. Hira's or the rejective different? Thank you for asking that question. <laughs> Full disclosure here, I'm the scientific director for Essential Formulas, which is the company in the United States that has the sole rights to import Dr. O'Hara's probiotics from Japan. Um, Dr. Why did you choose those? You know, like yeah, right. this is the I'll key. Explain this whole, whole because story. yeah, most probiotics just don't cut the mustard. Dr. O'Hara was a, a visionary microbiologist. In his younger days, he was a Buddhist monk and lived in a Buddhist monastery. And then he um, came out of the monastery and he went to the university and got a degree as a landscape architect. <laughs> and he developed a very successful career as a landscape architect. He had an international reputation. And in 1976, the country of Malaysia invited Dr. Hira to come and visit one of the major cities, the capital city in um, one of the states of Malaysia. And they asked him to design what they called a freedom park. And Dr. Rahir accepted this job, this consultation and contract job to do this. And four years later, they invited him back to the grand opening ceremony. And this is a wonderful uh, nature type in um, this freedom park that he created. It had walking paths and meditation benches and, and water features. It, it expressed his Buddhist philosophy of, of harmony with nature. So he comes back in 1980 to this grand opening ceremony, and he ate some tainted food and got violently ill. Mm. He's writhing on the ground, and there happened to be a shaman there who saw him in great distress on the ground. Shaman goes over and rests his head in his lap and pulls something out of his little leather shoulder bag and starts spoon-feeding Dr. O'Hara some black syrupy syrup. And O'Hara is amazed in a very short period of time. He's like cured. I mean, his symptoms are resolved. So he's a curious man, and he asked some questions. He found out that the substance that the Malaysian shaman had given him was something that was made from locally fermented Malaysian fruits and vegetables. So that's where he got this idea of fermentation. Mm -hmm. 
So he takes samples back to Japan and plays around with it for a number of years and gets totally frustrated because he's a landscape architect, but he doesn't have a background in microbiology. So at age 49, with a hugely successful career as a landscape architect, he walks away from that career, goes back to school, gets a PhD in microbiology, wow. and starts this whole process of studying this substance from the Malaysian shaman. And over a period of several years, he develops Dr. Uhura's probiotic. And he created a very unique system, a fermentation system to create Dr. Uhura's probiotics. Um, and and the little in fact one second here. And these probiotics are a booklet which I will first, give you the link yep. so everybody can get a free copy of this. So for uh, those watching, is he's holding up a book called Probiotics <laughs> and so Postbiotics? Show our people here. Uh, this is a picture of the eighty-gallon fermentation vats. Mm-hmm. They start out with. 12 strains of starter bacteria and they shred and add wide range of different types of Japanese fruits and vegetables and mushrooms and seaweeds, all healthfully grown. Mm-hmm. And the bacteria get to digest and ferment the food components for three years three before years. they encapsulate wow. the product. And that's called the original formula. It's sold in retail stores throughout the United States. And, um, and then there's another product that's called the professional formula that gets an additional two years of anaerobic fermentation and mammoth 10,000 gallon anaerobic fermentation vats. And that becomes the professional formula. Wow. But it's this, this fermentation process in these fermentation vats is an external fermentation system that mimics nature's natural fermentation process that takes place in your colon where the probiotic bacteria break down the food components if you're consuming healthy a healthy diet. And actually, Lisa, there's another thing I'll mention. I've got several studies that I published and I made slides on these that I use in my seminars that report that from 90 to 95% of American children and adults do not consume adequate amounts of dietary fibers and polyphenols. Wow, so this is our- scary. Almost nobody's consuming a diet that really supports a healthy microbiome. And that creates inflammation. When you have dysbiosis and a bacterial imbalance, you have gut inflammation. And that causes things called lipopolysaccharides or LPS to leak from your intestinal tract and your systemic circulation, which cause chronic inflammation. It's a critical part of the aging process. And it's all based on dysbiosis and a bad diet so you're not getting a good healthy microbiome with a healthy microbiome should have about 90 to 95 percent good bacteria and only like five or ten percent of bad bacteria everybody has some bad bacteria but when the good bacteria predominate a few bad bacteria are not going to cause problems and what happens with things like leaky gut you know when your zonulin's high and you know um calprotectins you know secretory IgA and things. So can you explain those things? You bet. So in fact, I wrote a paper on this. It was published in January of this year in a medical journal titled The Microbiome Theory of Aging. And in that paper, I'm explaining to people the mechanism of what happens when you have bacterial imbalance, this dysbiosis that creates inflammation in the gut. And that you just mentioned zonulin. So that's a good Mm. topic to bring up. Zonulin 
was discovered by a, a physician, pediatrician, Alessio Fasano. I hope he gets a Nobel Prize for this. It's one of the most important health discoveries of all time. Wow. Zonulin is a protein that gets expressed when you have gut inflammation. And as far as we know, the only thing that zonulin does is degrade the proteins that are the tight junctions that lie in the cells of your gastrointestinal tract. Um, Your um, epithelial cells is a layer of cells in your gastrointestinal system, one cell sick. Mm. And those cells side by side have proteins on the cell surface that hold them tightly together and allow appropriate things to transfuse and keep the bad things out. But when you have Bacterial imbalance, you get inflammation. Zonulin degrades these gut protein, these tight junction proteins, and allows leaky gut to happen. And that's when lipopolysaccharides and other toxins leak into your system and create chronic inflammation that cause tissue damage, organ damage, accelerate biological aging. So maintaining a healthy gut is a critical thing for people to understand and know about. And it's a an actionable thing. You can take steps to create and maintain a healthy gut, but you have to educate yourself on how to do it. Dr. Hirsch Probiotics, after that multi-year fermentation process, every capsule and every dose contains over 500 of these postbiotic metabolites. So when you take Dr. Hirsch, these compounds directly start to have anti-inflammatory activity and rebuild and normalize the acid-base level and start to suppress or kill pathogens and and reestablish your gut-brain communication, all of these things. And when people spend money and buy commercial probiotics, those bacteria have to survive the harsh transit through the gastrointestinal tract, the stomach. The acidity in the stomach is 10,000 to 100,000 times stronger acid than the acid base level level in the intestines. Right. And that level of acidity is designed wow. to kill pathogens that yeah. get in your mouth when you're eating. Which and we so need. Yeah. Bacteria gonna get killed. And some people do have liposomal delivery systems or enteric coated capsules so the bacteria can survive transit through the stomach. But when they reach the colon, if people aren't consuming a diverse range of dietary fibers and polyphenols, those bacteria can't produce the postbiotic metabolites and they're close right. to useless. And they just so pass on out. So here is you're immediately getting these compounds that are rebalancing in the whole microbiome ecosystem. But even with Dr. Ahiris, you have to eat a diverse range of dietary fibers and polyphenols. You have to concentrate and the- on a plant-based diet. And I'm, I'm not advocating vegan or vegetarianism, um, but when people eat, Meat products, it has to be grass fed and grass finished meat. Yeah, or, good, good um, quality. Wild caught fish and, you know, cage free chickens. It's got to be healthy animals. Yeah. And, and this is like, I've, I've got a, um, brother who I'm sure he won't mind me talking. He's got celiac disease. Um, and there never are other people who have SIBO. Um, and this is where the complications can come in. You know, when you're trying to, you can't put prebiotics or probiotics, sorry, into someone with SIBO. Can you put these type of probiotics in and you're not going to, you know, cause more bloating? Okay, and yeah. So let's take them one at a time. First, you mentioned uh, celiac disease. Yeah. yeah. Um, Alicia Fasano kind of discovered this, um, working with ch- young newborn infants. 
that had diarrhea that was unstoppable. And yep. they discovered that they were sensitive to gluten, which is the protein in wheat. And that's been called celiac disease. Yeah, in fact, it's terrible. Thing. No humans have the adequate enzymes to digest gluten and gliadin, which is the protein in gluten. No humans, actually. Nobody but these, does. So we no. are all getting some effect, but there's different levels. Um, um, yeah. The grains in the United States are more hybrid. There, I know people in the United States that, that cannot tolerate eating wheat products, but they go to Europe and they don't have problems because mm. it's a healthy wheat that hasn't been hybridized over time. Mm. But I really advocate um, low intake of, of gluten-containing products for everyone. Yeah. And, um, and before I go over to SIBO, I want to say something more about gluten and intestinal permeability and zonulin and so forth. So Dr. Fasano says the two main things that will ex- cause gut inflammation and express zonulin and cause leaky gut are gluten and bad bacteria. Now, there's a number of other things that can cause gut inflammation, but those are the two main ones. So everybody needs to know about this. And <clears throat> And so I'd like to also um, discuss with our, our listeners, Lisa, a study that will give them some insight into how damaging this leaky gut and lipopolysaccharides can be. Again, lipopolysaccharides are protein fragments from the cell walls of gram-negative bacteria that everybody has in our intestinal tract. But these compounds are supposed to stay in the intestinal tract. You have leaky gut and they leak into your systemic circulation. They're highly inflammatory. So a group of scientists did a wonderful study taking a group of people, um, a small group of, of healthy young adults, and divided them into two groups, and they did a double-blind, placebo-controlled crossover trial. And crossover is important here. So they've got a placebo group and the group getting lipopolysaccharides, and they injected low-dose lipopolysaccharides, so low there were no symptoms. People did not know what if they got the placebo or the like LPS. And then after a certain period of time, they stopped. There was a washer, washout period. Then the crossover, the people that initially got the placebo were injected with the low-dose lipopolysaccharides. And the people that had the lipopolysaccharides first got the placebo. And then at the end of the trial, they did blood work. And they discovered, again, people getting injected with low-dose lipopolysaccharide, no symptom whatsoever. They had a 25%, 25-fold increase in their plasma levels of tumor necrosis factor alpha and a 100-fold increase in interleukin-6. These are highly oh. inflammatory molecules. Oh, yeah. We're so trying to always get those, those down. They don't know that they've got chronic inflammation, but those wow. levels of those inflammatory markers are causing inflammation, tissue damage, organ damage, accelerating biological aging. So it's critically important that people create and maintain a healthy microbiome and don't have gut inflammation because most people alive today have some level of leaky gut and are not aware of it because of an improper diet and an imbalance in, in between probiotics and pathological bacteria. And, and so it's, it's a critical problem. And, you know, gut problems are one of the most common reasons people go to the doctor. And yeah, yeah. it's not just gut problems that advances into accelerated biological aging and tissue and organ damage. So it's really the root cause of a lot of health problems. 
And so when we're, we're looking at the microbiome, you know, I do microbiome testing in my uh, clinic and, you know, go through everything. And, you know, like I try to do the, like a north to south sort of model where we're looking at, you know, is your, is, is, are you producing enough hydrochloric acid? You know, like that's a key thing that goes south with yeah. a lot of older people or people that have certain, you know, problems that they don't produce enough stomach acid. So that yeah. then the parasites and things can get in. And then the, the, you just touched on a really good point. Because um, <clears throat> hypochlorhydria, mm-hmm. low level of hydrochloric acid, is a very common problem. Very. And it yeah. causes what's called atopic gastritis, which means an inflammation in the lining of your stomach. It's painful. And so many people misinterpret that. They get that gut pain, they think they have excess acid. So they take <laughs> acid-suppressing drugs. Which is the worst thing you can really do. The excess acid is the low level of acidity that creates the inflammation. So you've got to heal that. And you can take hydrochloric acid tablets or hydrochloric acid drops and, and build up and recreate a healthy level of hydrochloric acid in your stomach. It's the front line of your immune system. So it's very critical that people do that. Yeah, and, and doctors put people on proton pump inhibitors for years. Yeah. You know, I've had clients yeah, I, come through I that have been on H2 a few blockers, proton pump inhibitors, antacids, yeah. tums, and so forth. So yeah. One of the books I wrote um, is titled "The Drug-Induced Nutrient Deficiency Handbook," and in that book, I educate the world, especially physicians and pharmacists, about the nutrients that are being depleted by the drugs that people take. Wow. And these antacids and acid-suppressing drugs are monstrous. They deplete levels of calcium and magnesium and other divalent ions. They deplete levels of vitamin B12. They inhibit your body's ability to digest protein. I mean, it's horrible. It's diabolical. <laughs> and they put people on for years, you know, like. Yeah. And, and, and that's wonder. another good point. These drugs are addicting. When people... Excuse me, just a second here. Yeah, no, no problem. So, <clears throat> when people take these acid suppressing drugs and they want to stop, <clears throat> when they stop them, there's a rebound production of acid that goes. Oh man, that's painful! I got to get back on my acid suppressing yeah. drug. <clears throat> so, you need to gradually decrease the use of those drugs because it, it's very difficult to get off them. They've got you addicted. Right, so so titrate them down and then titrate yeah. up some hydrochloric acid, and and can you overdo that? You know, like a, where do you find that you sweet spot? It. Yeah, yeah. It'll be, and if you take hydrochloric acid and it's immediately painful, you've probably got an ulcer, and you need to heal that ulcer. Yeah, so that's the only time that we should be using <coughs> proton pump inhibitors. Really, is if you've got an ulcer, an active yeah. ulcer, and then that's a different story. But that's for short term, yeah. and then there's the digestive enzymes, the pancreas. This is another area that, that comes in the next part of the, the process, if you like, yeah. the amylase, lipase, protease that comes from the pancreatic uh, pancreas. Um, yeah. it, what happens there? Because that goes south too for a lot of people. Yeah, well, that, that's just a very intricate system involved in digestion. And if you have a, an upset gastrointestinal tract where these enzymes work to break down foods and so you can absorb the nutrients, everything's not going to work well. I mean, they, they don't function well in a highly inflamed gastrointestinal environment. <clears throat> and then you've also got, sorry, yeah, you carry on. Uh, well, if, go ahead. If you've got something else you want to follow on there. No, no, I just, yeah. Be, well, the next one the, to talk about SIBO. 
Yeah, yeah we, we'll get yeah we'll get there. But let's just talk about the pancreatic enzymes. These sure. breakdowns, like amylase breaks down the carbs, and protease yeah. breaks down the, the proteins. And so, a lot yeah. of older people were not the the protein deficient, and you know they're not they've maybe got hyperchlorhydria. Mm-hmm. Plus, they haven't got enough uh, enzymes to break down their proteins. Um, and then you've got your gallbladder. That was the, the other one I wanted to bring up, the sludge yeah. in the gallbladder or gallstones. Um, and how does that impact that whole digestive system? Well, many people benefit from taking pancreatic enzymes, lipase, amylase, and protease. So that they're, they're good supplements. And people, that, you know, if you try them, uh, you yeah, benefit. Yeah, I'm on them. Yep. You need them. It's a good, good thing. And you mentioned um, protein deficiency. That's a big topic. I wrote about it in the second edition of my book in the chapter on sarcopenia. I'm not sure what the regulations and recommendations are in New Zealand, but in our country, um, (laughs) the recommended daily allowance for daily protein intake is way too low. It's dangerously low. And there's a, a, a lot of scientific people that are weighing in now saying, in the United States, we have to change this because the, we need more protein. And yeah. the, the thing that makes us doubly bad is that as people age, you need more protein. But yeah. as people age, they generally eat less. Most yeah. elderly people between age 50 and age 70 or 75 are eating significantly smaller meals and, and less food intake. But as we age, we need more protein intake. And the reason and I wrote about this in my sarcopenia chapter in the second edition of my book. As we age, there's two processes. There's muscle protein synthesis and muscle protein breakdown. And it's kind of like mTOR and autophagy. These things have to be in, in balance. And when you're healthy, they are. But as we age, we become less able to do adequate muscle protein synthesis. Mm. Muscle protein breakdown stays about the same. But as muscle protein synthesis declines, that means you're breaking down muscle faster than you're rebuilding it. But studies have been shown in elderly people by taking protein supplements and and taking in more dietary protein, you can offset this change that happens when you have a decline in muscle protein synthesis. So extra protein intake, you'll boost your muscle protein synthesis and offset this accelerated muscle protein breakdown which is sarcopenia. Sarcopenia is the term for the age-related yeah. disease that is a loss of muscle mass and a loss of strength as you age. And if people don't do some level of strength training on a regular basis, you will gradually lose muscle mass and strength as you age. And it's one of the worst age-related diseases. And But it's again, it's actionable. If you understand it, if you educate yourself, you can do things to slow this down and stop it, and in many cases, actually reverse it. Yeah, and uh, that's that's brilliant. What's your take on hormone replacement? Actually, I mean, that's another, you know, probably another another hour's time. But um, which hormones are referring to? Well, some bioidentical hormone replacement therapies, like I'm on hormone replacement therapy um, to try to maintain your hormones, to maintain muscle mass, to maintain your bone density, your brain function, you know, regulated. I do Dutch testing. I know, you know, what I'm doing. Um, And and it has to be done with a, you know, 
properly um, and yeah. overseen. But um, I'm an advocate of, of hormone replacement therapy. Good. Um, I uh, recommend that all women about age forty get a complete hormone panel. Yes, and they need to Dutch look at test. not just estrogen, but progesterone and yes. testosterone. Yes, I mean. And <laughs> many, many women get huge benefits from a small level of progesterone. Yes. And some women get a huge boost from getting just a small level of testosterone. Yep, men absolutely. normally make 10 times more testosterone than women do. But many women are testosterone deficient. Yep. And oftentimes, compounding pharmacists will make it up in a cream. Yep. And women just rub a small little bit on their labia. Um, once a day and, and it, it's just tremendous benefits because it gets absorbed very easily. And um, so I recommend that yep. all women be tested. And for men and about age 50 or so onward, many men, I think, will get a huge benefit from doing testosterone supplementation. Um, and I, for much of my adult life, not knowing it was low in testosterone yeah. and I started doing testosterone injections and now probably for 20 years, I've been doing wow. testosterone injections, uh, once a week intramuscular, just into yep. my butt and it's easy to do. Yep. And uh, so that's another yeah. one of the placement therapies that I'm a big advocate on. Uh, I've got an article in my blog that people can refer to and. Yeah, I'm a big advocate to done properly and overseen properly. And, and for, for men and women, I like to look at the whole pathway. How are you methylating? What yeah. are your nutrient status? What are, metabolites. And, yeah. yeah, metabolites of your estrogens. You know, what, what, you know, your cortisol as well in that picture. Yeah. Because I think, you know, once you get that whole picture and then you can optimize and then you have to tweak. You have to keep an eye on that. You can't just go, well, I'll, I'll just take the same dose forever and, you know, not, not look at what you're doing. Um, but it's powerful anti-aging medicine. It's powerful yeah. for for maintaining functionality and all of that sort of stuff. Um, just going back to the microbiome, um, SIBO. Uh, that, that that's one that is you know a little bit confounding because you you have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, too much bacteria that has come up in the in the to the small intestines. Can you explain that and and yeah, that, probiotics? Very unique individual situation and it's is not so easy to deal with yeah so as mentioned, is, is SIBO stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and it's a situation where bacteria that are supposed to reside in the colon have backed up into the distal end of the small intestine so it's not necessarily bad bacteria it's just bacteria that are living in the wrong place and those bacteria will ferment foods that you eat and create an enormous amount of gas and which creates a great deal of discomfort. They often cause diarrhea. And so it's a difficult situation. Mm. And there's a lab test that you can do. It's a breath test that people can do to see if they have SIBO. Um, you get a kit with an, a number of little plastic baggies with a straw, and you just blow your breath into these little baggies and seal it and do it a number of times and send it off to the lab. They're testing to see how much hydrogen and how much methane you have in the breath that you expire. And if either of those levels are elevated, you have SIBO. And so there's a number of diets that, um, and you, these are easily found on the internet. There's one called the FODMAP diet. There's the specific carbohydrate diet. These are not diets that people should stay on long-term. They're therapeutic diets that people should use to try to correct or cure SIBO. They're oftentimes not effective, uh, and, but I 
suggest that people try them for a period of time. And if they don't make progress, usually what they need to do is see a physician and take an antibiotic and clear out all the bacteria. And then you have to rebuild a healthy gut microbiome. But also people who have SIBO have to make diet and lifestyle changes or the same conditions going to come back again. So you have to become active physically. Sedentary lifestyle, you're going to get your SIBO to return. Um, I advocate the clients that I work with, if they have SIBO, if you have a Fitbit or an Apple Watch, set your watch alarm for an hour and have it go go off every single hour. And when that goes off, get up and do some squats and do some sort of exercise for just a couple of minutes. And it'll make a huge difference. I love that. <laughs> so, so that's my, but again, healthy diet. Um, and for people that are going to, that have SIBO and are going to try one of these uh, therapeutic diets, either the BobMap diet or the specific carbohydrate diet, and there's a couple of others, they advocate that you discontinue a lot of foods that you would normally think are very healthy foods. This is the difficult thing, isn't it? Yeah. It is. And the reason they're telling you to stay away from those foods, because the bacteria that are in the wrong place in your gastrointestinal system will digest those foods and ferment them and create methane or hydrogen gas. So you have to eliminate the foods to kind of starve those bacteria. And that's the, the therapeutic aspect of these diets. You're starving the bacteria to try to get them to die off in that distal end of the small intestine. Just interrupting the show to let you know about my longevity and anti-aging supplement range. I'd love you to go and check it out. Go to my website, lisatarmity.com and hit the shop button and you'll see a curated range of supplements, the latest in anti-aging, longevity, health optimization, performance optimization. I've gone out into the world, interviewed the most amazing doctors and scientists, as you'll know if you follow the show, and gone and got some of the best products that are out there. Stuff that I give to my family, that's what's in my range. So go and check it out at lisatamati.com. Um, and, but again, but then you're going to affect the other parts too, aren't you? You're going yeah, to run out on the other. Really, yeah. uh, and I, I advocate that people be on Dr. Hero's probiotics and maybe also take some, uh, a diverse range of bifidobacteria in a supplement along with getting on a plant-based diet. So you can, because the, the real goal and what you have to accomplish is to provide the dietary fibers and polyphenols that will allow your own innate bacteria to start to proliferate and populate your colon. That's the way you rebuild your healthy gut microbiome, not by taking commercial probiotics. But Dr. Hero's probiotics will really accelerate the the recovery process because it's helping to accelerate the return of the gastrointestinal ecosystem to a healthy condition with the anti-inflammatory activity and the rebalance in the acid base level with all the postbiotic metabolites that are slightly um, acidic and especially butyric acid, which will help to rebuild the tight junctions or help to suppress the breakdown of tight junctions. So that's part of the therapeutic benefit of the short-chain fatty acids in uh, Dr. Rahir's probiotics or in a healthy gut microbiome if you're consuming the, the right types of food. 
Yeah, and this is the difficulty with SIBO is that everything that's actually good for the colon is not so good when you've got SIBO and, you you know, right. you don't want to put um, probiotics can cause more problems and fiber can cause more problems. Um, so you have to sort of clear that out, maybe start again and then and then repopulate with, with the right stuff. And, and, and so that, that, that does complicate things. Now, Dr. Well, Ross, I've taken up please, so much. One more comment in your distance yeah. and what you said, Les. A lot of people ask me, well, if I've got SIBO, I can't take probiotic bacteria. Do they, yeah. they exasperate the problem? Can I take Dr. Here's probiotics? Yeah, and that's what I want to know. Because uh-huh. Dr. Here's has some probiotics in it, and it has some of the prebiotics from the fermentation baths, but primarily Dr. Here's is the number one product in the world for the direct delivery of the postbiotic metabolite. So uh-huh. most people can take Dr. Here's successfully. And I advocate that people with SIBO start out with, instead of taking two capsules daily, which is the recommended dose, start out taking one capsule every other day. Right. Do that a couple of days. If you're okay with that, then go up to one capsule daily for a couple of days. And if that's not giving you any problem, then jump right up to two capsules daily. And it will accelerate the return of the gastrointestinal microbiome to a healthy condition and create the situation that allows your own innate bacteria to proliferate if you're eating a healthy diet. Right. And, and, and Dr. O'Hara has got a full range of different products or just a couple of different ones. Which and ones should we just, be going for? They have two probiotic products. There's the original formula, which is the three-year fermentation process in 80-gallon fermentation baths. And then the professional formula gets an additional two years of fermentation in these massive 10,000-gallon wow, anaerobic yeah, yeah. fermentation baths. Okay. But yeah. Dr. O'Hara also has a product, uh, Dr. Here's Essential Living Oils, which is a, an essential oil product made from a, a number of different seed seeds from plant-based products. And then we have Dr. Here's uh, Premium Collagen Plus, which is a just a phenomenal product uh, providing uh, collagen that's highly absorbed into the system and helps to rebuild healthy collagen and prevent skin wrinkling and so forth. And, and it's called Premium Collagen Plus because in addition to the collagen, it also has um, cherry blossom extract, which is widely used in cosmetic products in Japan, but not well known outside Japan. And cherry blossom extract is a really great product for stimulating hyaluronic acid and and, and collagen growth. And there's also some hyaluronic acid and CoQ10 and a number of other things in the formulation. So it's premium uh, collagen plus. And also to emphasize in the Dr. Ahira's Collagen Plus product, they only use wild-caught proteins from fish. They don't use bovine collagen from cattle that are standing on feedlots for months and months, which is a very unhealthy situation. So they use the marine-based collagen peptides, and specifically, they use the, the tripeptides, which are the low molecular weight collagen, which is much more effectively absorbed. So. Uh-huh. Dr. Here's Collagen Plus is really a great product uh, in the cosmetic line for skincare and rebuilding joints and all the collagen throughout your body. Wow, that's great. Uh, that, that's fabulous. Now, the last thing before, because I, I, I do need to let you go, <laughs> and mum's waiting for her coffee. Um, <laughs> the coenzyme Q10, can you just briefly, I, I definitely want to get you back on, Dr. Yeah, Ross, because I feel yeah. like you're just a wonderful teacher, and I'm just so glad to have found you. Um, coenzyme Q10 is one, yeah. one of my favorite uh, life extension nutrients. And when I talk, we talk about life extension too, Lisa, it, 
it's not just life extension. It's not just increasing lifespan. It's increasing your health span. Most important. You don't want to live more years in a wheelchair with an oxygen tank. I mean, you, you don't want to die, but you want to have healthy years in your elder years. And so this is all about healthy longevity. And coenzyme Q10 is one of the premium antioxidants in the body. It's the most important, I think, fat-soluble antioxidant. And we don't absorb fat-soluble antioxidants very well, so I encourage people to take it at a meal where there's fat involved. But what we found out, the melting point of coenzyme Q10 is 10 degrees higher than body temperature. So it crystallizes. And so we cannot absorb clumps of coenzyme Q10. It has to be single molecules in solution. And I have taken many of the commercial CoQ10 products and opened them out and squeeze it on a white piece of typing paper which is a clear background, and you can actually see the little clumps of coenzyme Q10 mm. crystal in the, in the product. And even if a company has a CoQ10 product where they're successful at keeping the CoQ10 in solution in the capsule, when it goes into your stomach, it immediately starts to crystallize. And there's another big debate between whether it should be ubiquinone or ubiquinol, and ubiquinone is the natural form of CoQ10. A number of years ago, a company, the Kanaka company in Japan, came out with ubiquinol, which is the alcohol form of CoQ10. They claim better absorption. Fabulous marketing. Bad <laughs> science. Really? When you take ubiquinol, which you pay a lot more for, wow. as soon as it gets into your stomach, it gets converted into ubiquinone. So people are wasting a lot of money on ubiquinol. But back to the main part of the story, most CoQ10 products have horrible rates of absorption, literally only 1% or 2% because it's crystallized. We can't absorb it. company in Europe, PharmaNord, has a patented form of keeping CoQ10 in solution. They've done multiple studies showing they get 3 to 10 times higher plasma levels of CoQ10 than many of the other competitors on the market. Most of the double-blind, placebo-controlled scientific trials on coenzyme Q10 from all around the world in the last 20 to 30 years have used PharmaNord's CoQ10 because it's proven to be well-absorbed. And for all your listeners, I'll give you a, a link at the end of the show notes, and I'll provide a link to an article I've written. People can use the code ROS-10 to get a 20% discount on PharmaNord's CoQ10. Um, and I'll again, I'll send you an article. Yeah, uh, that would be. We're, we're going to have big long show notes but, this time. Yeah, <laughs> with it's all the really links. Critical that people take crystal-free coenzyme Q10 and and Pharma Nord's CoQ10 is the best one in the world, to my knowledge. And people can get a twenty percent discount on a regular basis if they use the the Ross Des, uh I think it's, maybe it's Ross 20. I know the, the, the link will yeah. be in the article. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. You'll send it over to me. Yeah, because that's something, again, that, um, you know, I've been taking CoQ10, but am I not getting any, you know, like, because I know how important it is, um, yeah. as, you know, and for people, especially on statins, that's a really important one to be on. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I'd be de- definitely keen to get that link. Dr. Ross, you've been so uh, awesome with your time today. I'm so grateful for you, your work. It's phenomenal, the amount of research that you've done, like that, you know, 
12 books and I don't know how many countless scientific papers and blogs and lectures, uh, just phenomenal um, rate of work that you put out. My YouTube video on my salad buzz too. Have I sent that to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen those. (laughs) But but I I really compliment too. You are a health warrior doing so many wonderful things and being such a motivational person for for people. So I, I really appreciate all you're doing. I'm glad we're friends now. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk again. Uh, we've got other things to talk about, like pulsed electromagnetic frequencies and we didn't even get there. Circulation. <laughs> yes, we didn't even get there. So that's round two is number one PEMF because I haven't even done a podcast on that and it's been on my radar for so long and I haven't got one really? yet. I'm working on getting one so that I can help mum. But Dr. Ross, thank you so much for your time today. You've yeah, been pleasure. absolutely fast. So happy to know you and be in touch with you and we'll do more in the future. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review, and share with your friends. Head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatamati.com.